Good morning, church. Good morning. morning. Um, my name is Peter Anderson, and for those of you who call White Rock Baptist Church your home, you're probably wondering why I'm standing here, up here, and I don't have a guitar. Um, <laughs> it does feel a little odd. While I normally have the absolute privilege of getting to lead you into worship and singing on Sunday mornings, it's also equally incredible to be able to open the scriptures, the word of God, with you this morning. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are yours, that you love us, and that we have the opportunity to worship together. May you be glorified in this place. And Holy Spirit, as we look at the word of God together, may you reveal in us your truth. Amen. So for the past six weeks, we've been journeying through a summer series called Sacred Pathways. Sacred Pathways, which is based on this simple principle. Each of us has been created in God's image, and each of us has been made by God to be in close relationship with him. And although we all have this kind of shared identity, the method, or you could say pathway, for how we most naturally connect with God and love God is not the same for each person. And I find the fact that God has wired us each a little bit differently and that he's willing and able to connect with us in a way that's unique, to be humbling and incredibly beautiful. We've looked at one of these pathways each of the past six weeks, and I'm not going to review them now, but if you're interested in going deeper, you missed a week, just know that on the White Rock Baptist website, you can catch all of those sermons or on YouTube. You can also pick up the book called Sacred Pathways, and that can help you go a little bit deeper. Well, we've made it to week seven. This is our final week of the series, and we're finishing with the perfect topic for a beautiful, warm summer morning. Are you guys ready? Intellectuals. Loving God with your mind. <laughs> so when Pastor Brian first approached me and said, hey, I'm going on sabbatical, would you preach one of the weeks? I just said yes. I didn't know what this, and then he said, well, we're going to do intellectualism. And my first thought was, people are going to fall asleep in the pews. <laughs> if we spend 25 minutes thinking about thinking. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound super interesting to me. But be at peace. We are only going to spend a few minutes thinking about thinking and the rest of our time reading and thinking about God's word. So... We're going to have a little bit of participation this morning. I want you to raise your hand if week to week, the most meaningful part of the Sunday service for you is the sermon. Okay, we got a few. All right, got a few. There's a good chance that if you raise your hand, then loving God with your mind is something that is maybe more natural to you. But there were far more people who didn't raise their hand, and I am not offended in the slightest at all by that. And that's totally to be expected. That is totally to be expected. And my hope for all of us this morning is that 
Whether loving God with our mind comes really naturally to us or not, we can leave this morning embracing the truth that the mind matters. It matters to God. This is Matthew 22, 34 through 38, and I think we'll have it up on the screen for you. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So there it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So this means that the person who sits in the chair reading the theology textbook, which sounds great to some of you and to others sounds really, really horrible, um, in an effort to know God more deeply, is worshiping just the same as the person who raises their hands while singing is worshiping. And it's just the same as the person who loves God by sweating away in their elderly neighbor's backyard helping with the yard work. Not one of these heart, soul, and mind are more holy than the other. The mind matters. It matters. Have you ever learned something about God that was so profound? It just had a profound impact on your life? I remember being in grade six or seven at camp. And at the camp that I went to, they had this uh, nature center. And in it, they had an experience where each room represented a different day of creation. It was really, really cool. And I remember finishing all the way to the end, and the person who was leading the experience said this to me, and this is profound, said, did you realize that on day one, God created, well, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. And then the sun didn't come until day four. My little grade six and grade seven mind couldn't, I'd, I'd never thought about that before. But that has had a profound impact in my life because it's helped me to realize that as we think about light and darkness and goodness, that true light, true goodness comes from God. Right? That's where it originates, that's where it starts. And then in Revelation, which is the book at the end of the Bible that helps us understand what the future is, what the forever with God looks like, there's this verse. There will be no more night. They will not need light of lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord their God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. I'm sure you can think of moments in your life where you learned something about God, and it profoundly impacted your future. The mind matters. God gave us our minds, and our minds are good. Thinking about God and his truth leads us to him, and it should propel us to live out our lives differently. But let's face it, thinking can be hard, and it requires energy. <laughs> Yet it's so worth the effort, because when we walk alongside Jesus and we learn from him, he opens our eyes to his bigger plan and purposes for us. All right. Well, that's enough thinking about thinking. Okay, I promised it wouldn't be the majority of the time we're done thinking about thinking. But with the time we have remaining, we're going to spend some time walking alongside Jesus, whom the disciples often called teacher. And we're going to journey with Jesus, and we're going to learn from him. And as Jesus teaches us, we're going to give our minds 
a workout and hopefully grow to love him more and more deeply. So this will be familiar to many of you, but this is what immediately leads up to our passage this morning. So Jesus, Jesus has come into Jerusalem and he's been put on trial and things are not going the way that really any of the followers of Jesus thought they would. And suddenly before they know it, Jesus is, is being put to death and there's chaos and there's confusion and Jesus dies and they hide and they don't know what's going on. And then comes the third day and a group of women go to the tomb to, to um, bless Jesus, take spices for Jesus' body, to anoint Jesus' body. But when they get there, they find that the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty and angels come and tell them Jesus is not here, he's risen. So they run back and they tell all of the disciples, but the disciples think that they're crazy, think that, that something has happened in their grief, they're just, they've seen things and they, they don't believe them. A couple of disciples do then run and look at the tomb and find it empty. But that's in, in the Gospel of Luke, that's where we end, and it leads us to our passage for this morning, which is Luke 24, 13 through 35. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up to that, you can. We will have the text in the screen, and we'll be going through this story together um, this morning. Now, as this is loving God with your mind. We're going to do a little something different this morning. I hope you're okay with it. At different points, we're going to pause, and I'm going to ask you a question and give you a minute to just think about it. It doesn't often happen in a sermon, but it seems appropriate for this morning, so that's what we're going to do. And hopefully you're, you're okay with a little bit of silence, and you actually get an opportunity to pause and think about what it is you're hearing in God's Word. This is Luke 24, starting in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but, don't miss this, they were kept from recognizing him. So this is your first question. I'll give you a minute to think about it. Why do you think that God kept these two, these two people journeying on the road to Emmaus? Why did God keep them from recognizing Jesus? Take a moment to think about it. Spoiler, we're not going to answer it right now. <laughs> but you've thought about it, so that's a good start. That's a good start. But be at peace. Jesus is not hiding himself to be cruel. By no means. He's doing it like Jesus does all things for the good of those two disciples who are walking along the road. So now we're continuing in verse 17. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? What are you discussing as you walk along? Now, here we have Jesus asking a question, 
And the reaction of the two disciples tells you everything that you need to know about this question. This is their reaction. It says in scripture, they stood still, their faces downcast. So they, they literally stopped walking, okay? First of all, stopped walking, and their faces were downcast. Another translation puts it this way. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Jesus' question was so simple, wasn't it? What are you talking about? And it rocked them to their very core. I've often wrestled with the questions that Jesus asks in the Bible. For instance, when Jesus asks the disciples what other people say about him, and they answer, and then he responds with this question, and it's profound, but who do you say that I am? Every question of Jesus, no matter how short, gives us the opportunity to think and think deeply. Okay, so back to our story. Jesus has just asked the two travelers what, what they were talking about. And here's verse 18. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, asked Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Let me read that again. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does, does not know the things that have happened here in these days? That question just makes me smile. It does. So recently I was meeting with a youth pastor here in the Vancouver area for coffee. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I have the privilege of serving with the Canadian Baptists, the family of churches, helping with next-gen ministry, so youth and young adults. So I often am meeting with pastors, and the pastor was asking me something. Another part of my role is to oversee a gap year experience called Curios, one-year gap year program, and it's my job to oversee it. So this pastor's sitting across from me, and he goes, this is maybe a, a random question out of the blue here, but do you know anything about Curios? <laughs> and I just laughed, and I said, I think you're asking the right person here. So I share that story because they asked Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened with Jesus? <laughs> like that just, it makes me laugh. I love it. I love Jesus' reply in verse 19. Jesus says, what things? <laughs> uh, it's just brilliant, right? Are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on? Jesus is like, oh, what things? What things are going on? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. So close your Bibles for a moment, if, you, if you're looking in your Bibles, because I don't want you to read ahead. It's at this point that the two men walking down the road are going to explain to Jesus what happened to Jesus. Jesus is so awesome. I just love this. Jesus is giving these two grieving guys. Remember, they're in, they're like in really bad shape. He's giving the two grieving guys a chance to share how they're feeling and what they believe. Jesus could have told them what is true and right, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, he gives them a chance to share, listening before speaking, and I think there's probably a lot of wisdom in that. So as these two men begin to share their account of what happened to Jesus, they're going to start their story with these three words, Jesus was a. So I want to give you a, a second to think. If you looked ahead, you probably know. But if you didn't, I want you to think about, remember, they're grieving. They're in a hard space. They're going to tell Jesus 
about Jesus, and they're going to start it this way. Jesus was a... Take a moment. Think about what, you, what they might say. Here's what the scripture says. This is, the, this is the start. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. He was a prophet, they say. And a prophet is someone who hears a message from God and shares it with the people. And this was definitely true of Jesus, wasn't it? But the fact that they use this term and not another term like Messiah or Savior or even Lord tells us a lot. Let's listen in to their whole explanation of who Jesus was. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Isn't this the center of where their grief and sadness comes from? It's as if their hope was buried along with Jesus in Joseph's tomb. Continuing on, they said, and what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. So it's at this point that Jesus' orientation to the two people he's journeying with completely shifts. He transitions from opening these kind of, or asking these open-ended questions to hear what they were thinking to something else completely. Verse 25, this is what Jesus says. He said to them, how foolish are you? And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Wow. There's so much to love about Jesus. These two men had spent countless hours with him over the past number of years. They'd spent tons of time, and yet they had missed the bitter truth about a suffering Savior. What Jesus does next is fantastic. And this is one of those moments in history, I don't know if you have these, where you're like, if I could go back and just be at this and do this thing, I would love it. And this is one of those for me. Because this is what it says in verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. At average walking speed, a seven-mile journey would take about two and a half hours, give or take. Could you imagine getting to walk along the road with Jesus as he explained how the Old Testament, that's the part of the Bible before Jesus came to earth, how the Old Testament clearly shows that Jesus is the Savior of the world? How awesome would that be? And we don't have any more details about the content of what it meant for him to start with Moses and explain everything, but I imagine he would have shared verses of scripture like these. 
These are the words of Isaiah the prophet written about the coming Savior roughly 700 years before Jesus' birth. It's a lengthy passage, but I think it's, it's, I'm sure it was one of the ones that Jesus recounted back to them. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in a dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellions, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away, No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. It's good news, isn't it? It's good news. Just take a minute to process that. By taking them on the road back to scripture, Jesus wants them to fully embrace that what took place was a part of God's plan and purpose. He took them back to their own scriptures, which they knew. So after a couple of hours, the three travelers reach the outskirts of Emmaus. Their journey is almost done. We're continuing to read from Luke 24, verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. Think about this. Why do you think Jesus pretended or acted as though he was going further? What was that all about? I don't know for sure, 
But I think maybe that Jesus wants the two travelers to invite him in, just like he wants you and me and all of us to invite him in. Jesus may knock at the door, but we open it or not. So Jesus goes into the house with the travelers, reading from verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. There's drama. <laughs> Lots of drama going on in this. What, what do you think? Take a moment. Why did Jesus chose, choose the breaking of bread as the moment to reveal himself, who he was to the travelers? It was just one week ago where in this same space we took the Lord's Supper together. And if you remember those words, Jesus, he took bread and broke it and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me as a way of reminding us that Jesus' death was a necessary part of God's plan and to be grateful. So I think it's just brilliant that in that moment where Jesus breaks the bread, it was only days earlier when they had been at Last Supper with Jesus breaking that bread, and their eyes were opened. So Jesus is now gone. He disappears. You know, that's, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to think about that. <laughs> I don't fully know what's going on there, but Jesus is gone. And in verse 32, it says this. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning? I hope that each of you have moments when learning from Jesus that your hearts burn, that it does something in you that changes your world and turns it upside down. That Jesus' words make such a difference in your life that you can't help but be moved to think and act and live differently. These two travelers have an opportunity now. What are they going to do next? And we finish the story here in verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. <laughs> How long was that journey? Two and a half hours? What time of the day was it? Evening. They had good news. When you have good news... When Jesus changes your world, you leave at nighttime without lights, and you go two and a half hours back. There they found the eleven and those that uh, with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What an amazing story, and one that we often get, it often gets missed when we're thinking about Jesus' death and his resurrection. What a beautiful story. Can't we just put ourselves 
right in the middle of that journey on the road with Jesus? I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, and they're going to play quietly uh, while we have one more chance. This will be a little bit more of an extended time to think about maybe what God is doing in your life. So I've got a, a couple of questions there. We're going to put those up on the screen. Here are them, two questions I'd love for you to consider. Imagine you have two hours to walk down the road with Jesus this afternoon. What do you want to say to him? And what do you think he wants to say to you? Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that although we, none of us were there on that road to Emmaus that day, we have the opportunity to walk alongside of you right now. We can ask you our difficult questions, talk to you about what's going on, and listen for your voice. You're still at work, Jesus. You still speak. You still move. You still do miracles. And you want to be on the journey with us, God.
Amen.